Welcome to this Allen and Overy podcast. My name is Cindy Lowe, a partner at Allen and Overy, specializing in banking and finance. I'm joined today by three of my colleagues, Agnes Dung, who has extensive experience in advising issuers and underwriters on debt capital markets transactions, Tim Beach, head of our APAC corporate trust and agency team, and Fiola Dean from our APAC restructuring and recovery group. This podcast relates to a recent decision of the bankruptcy administrator of PUFG, Peking University Founder Group Company Limited. The bankruptcy administrator has decided to reject claims submitted by the trustee under the Keep Well Deeds and Deeds of Equity Interest Purchase Undertaking provided by PUFG in support of the five series of bonds issued by its subsidiaries. This decision is a significant, as this is the first time a bankruptcy administrator in the mainland of the PRC has decided on issues relating to the validity and enforceability of Keepwell arrangements. Allen and Overy is advising the trustee and holders of certain bonds issued by subsidiaries of PUFG. The discussion over the next 20 minutes will be based on publicly available information and very much forward-looking. We will focus on analyzing and discussing the implications of this significant decision and the options for offshore creditors who find themselves in similar situations. This will be relevant for bond investors, underwriters, and lenders alike. I will first turn to Agnes, our capital market expert. Agnes, I note that the use of keep well structure originated in the debt capital market, and a significant portion of China's outstanding offshore debt is supported by keep well arrangements. Why is this the case? Looking back at the development of the PRC offshore bond market, we started off with using direct issuance and guarantee structures. Back in 2014, the State Administration of Foreign Exchange, SAFE, introduced a regulatory framework for cross-border guarantee and security, and it imposed restriction on repatriation of proceeds from offshore bond issuance back to China. If Chinese companies want to have the flexibility of repatriating some of the proceeds back onshore, they could not use the guarantee structure. We then see the emergence of keep well structure, which provides the flexibility on repatriation. SAVE in 2017 relaxed the rules and removed the restriction on repatriation of bond proceeds using the guarantee structure, and Chinese companies become less reliant on the keep well arrangement. As we have seen over the years, the form of keep well could vary from one transaction to another, where in a typical keep well, the keep well provider undertakes to ensure the issuer of the bonds has sufficient liquidity to meet its payment obligations under the bonds and trust deeds, and the issuer has a positive consolidated net worth. There are also keep well which include equity interest un- purchase undertakings, where the Keepwell provider undertake to purchase equity interest in subsidiary of the issuer. In others, the Keepwell may also include an irrevocable cross-border standby facility granted by the Keepwell provider to the offshore issuer. And ultimately, the aim of these undertakings are to ensure the issuer will be funded. Uh, I completely agree with your observation, Agnes. Um, from a loan market perspective, Kitwell structures were first used by Chinese corporates who are also active in the bond space and have Kitwell arrangements in place. Initially, banks treated the Kitwell no more than a stronger form of letter of comfort. But as the market evolves, Kitwell transactions have indeed become more common in the loan market as well. 
So let's turn to what happened in PUFG. Team, in the bankruptcy reorganization proceedings of PUFG, a claim based on a guarantee provided by PUFG has been accepted, but a claim based on a keep well has been rejected recently. Why was the claim rejected? That's right, Cindy. As you say, there are 10 series of offshore bonds for which the trustee put in a claim in the PUFG reorganization proceedings, of which five are not guaranteed by PUFG, but instead have the benefit of a keepwell deed from PUFG. And whilst the trustee's claims in respect of the guaranteed notes were accepted by the administrator early on in the reorganization in April, May 2020, the claims based on the keepwells were listed by the administrator as pending until 19th of August 2020. And the administrator has announced now that those claims have been rejected. We don't know why, because the administrator hasn't made his reasons public. But the assumption must be that he doesn't believe the relationship between PUFG and the trustee under the particular keepwells in in those deals is such that the trustee should be considered a creditor of PUFG in respect of, of those bond claims. That's interesting. So what does this mean for offshore investors in bonds that benefit from keepwell deeds provided by onshore Chinese parent companies? Agnes, do you have a view? I think it, it would be too early to draw any conclusion on the implication of keepwell structure at this point, because there are other steps which could be taken, such as initiating proceeding under Hong Kong courts against the keepwell provider enforcement action against the issuer, and the outcome of these options would be important. I agree with that. Public reports suggest that the trustee in the PUFG case is entitled to object to the administrator's decision by initiating proceedings with the court. Tim and Viola, what are the key challenges faced by the trustee and the bondholders in this regard? Yes, that, that's right. That There is a, a right to object in this case. Obviously, as we've already said, we're talking about this on, on the basis of the information that's publicly available. We understand in, in this case, the process under the PRC enterprise bankruptcy law allows for an objection to be lodged against the rejection of the trustee's claims with the uh, the court in Beijing within 15 days of the rejection being announced. I'd say there are probably three key challenges when you look at a trustee having to file an objection on on that sort of time frame. Uh, And that is the first real issue. It's the timeline. Uh, 15 days is not a long period to organize a legal challenge to a decision of this nature. The second problem is the cost. It's understood in this case, there are material court filing fees that would need to be paid to file the objection, as well as any other fees that that might be associated with the preparation of, of the paperwork. And the third, of course, is the substance of the objection. Obviously, there's very little point filing an objection without being able to articulate strong reasons why the trustee should be considered a, a creditor of PUFG under the, the Keepwells. In other words, a reason why we would say the administrator has got that wrong. Yes, and um, I would also like to add that because of the challenges in terms of the timing and cost and also the reasoning for the objection as mentioned by team just now, it is really important for bondholders to coordinate amongst themselves to form a group and to engage with legal advisors and the trustee as soon as possible to explore all possible enforcement actions so that they can take actions as soon as possible. 
This is particularly helpful for offshore investors, banks who are considering offshore enforcement of keep well structure. So can we talk a little bit more about the possible enforcement options available to offshore investors, Tim and Viola? Yes, absolutely. In general terms, if you think that a keep well deed is likely to be governed by English law or Hong Kong law and and probably subject to the exclusive jurisdiction of the Hong Kong courts in, in this type of transaction, an obvious first step would be to consider bringing proceedings in Hong Kong to to try to enforce its terms. So in those proceedings, the trustee could seek an order that the Keepwell provider is in breach of its obligations under the Keepwell. In other words, that it hasn't kept the the issuing vehicle solvent to, to meet its obligations. And accordingly, the trustee could seek a damages award to compensate it in, in respect of those breaches. And in terms of the amount, you'd think the trustee would be seeking damages that are that were basically equal to the losses that had been sustained on the defaulted bonds. Of course, if that order is obtained, then the trustee uh, has only really done the first part of the process because it would then need to go to the courts in the PRC to seek onshore recognition and enforcement of that award. Yes, uh, insofar as this option is concerned, I would add that there are a couple of challenges for this option. So the first challenge is that in some of the cases, such as the case in PUFG, the event of default sometimes is only triggered upon the keepwell provider or the obligor commencing insolvency proceedings. In those circumstances, it is possible for the trustee to bring court proceedings after the keepwell provider has commenced insolvency proceedings. But I would add that if enforcement action is taken against the Kipwell provider subsequently, then we should not disregard the risk and the implications arising from the decision of CEFC Shanghai. In CEFC Shanghai, shortly after the appointment of the bankruptcy administrators, they applied to the Hong Kong court for recognition of their appointment and to seek judicial assistance. In that case, the Hong Kong court, for the first time, made an order recognizing the appointment of the bankruptcy administrators and provided judicial assistance by staying enforcement action taken against CEFC in Hong Kong. So I I just wanted to add that whilst it is possible for the trustee or the investors to take legal action against the Keepwell provider by commencing proceedings before the Hong Kong court or the English court after the Keepwell provider has gone into liquidation, there is still a real risk that such enforcement action may be interfered or even stayed by action taken by the bankruptcy administrator. The second challenge that may be possible for this option is that even if a creditor manages to obtain a judgment in Hong Kong, as Tim mentioned just now, you will still need to seek recognition and enforcement of the judgment in the PLC. And one should note the timing, cost and uncertainty for this sort of judgment to be recognized and enforced in the PLC. Thanks, Viola. I think it's worth taking sort of a more detailed look at the CEFC Shanghai case. I understand that in that case, a bondholder managed to obtain a default judgment against the Keepwell provider, and the recognition of the default judgment is currently being considered by the Shanghai Intermediate People's Court. How would that decision affect enforcement of Keepwell structure? 
Thanks, Cindy. I think um, the very first point that I want to make here is that cases involving enforcement of a keep well structure are all very fact sensitive, and the factual matrices can be very different depending from case to case. So in the CEFC Shanghai case, the bondholder managed to obtain a judgment against the keep well provider before it went into bankruptcy. The judgment was not contested, and the issue for the Shanghai Intermediate People's Court to decide was whether all the requirements for recognition of a Hong Kong judgment have been complied with in accordance with the arrangement for mutual recognition and enforcement of civil judgment in commercial cases between Hong Kong and the mainland China. So the outcome could be very different when the factual pattern is changed. For example, if the keep well provider decides to defend the proceedings, then the creditor will have to prove all the elements that are necessary to substantiate a damages claim. Here, I wanted to add that there is a difference between a claim based on keep well and a claim based on um, guarantee. In that, a claim based on guarantee is a direct debt claim. It is very straightforward in that you don't need to prove any loss. You just need to prove long payment. But for a claim based on keep well, that is a damages claim based on breach of contract. You will need to prove a breach of contract. You will need to prove a breach of undertaking, and then you will need to prove that a loss has been suffered. You will need to prove that the loss was caused by the breach, and you also need to prove that the loss is not too remote, and you have taken all reasonable steps to mitigate the loss suffered by you. So compared to a claim based on guarantee, a claim based on keep well would be considered to be less straightforward and would be considered to be more time-consuming and costly. Understood. I think in this type of default situation, creditors would want to explore all possible options. So besides seeking a damages claim against the keep well provider, either in an English court or a Hong Kong court, and then seek recognition in the PLC court, Viola and team, do you see any other options for the bondholders? Yes, Cindy, you are right. What we have discussed just now um, are mainly focusing on the option against the keep well provider direct. Actually, apart from a direct claim against the um, keep well provider, it is also possible for the trustee as well as the investors to consider pursuing the issuer direct. It is because usually for a keep well structure, we would have expected that the issuer will repatriate the proceeds that they have generated from the bond issuance back to the keep well provider um, for use onshore. So we would have expected that the issuer would have extended intercompany loans to the keep well provider so that if we take action against the issuer, say for example, by liquidating the issuer, then the liquidators of the issuer will be able to have a direct claim against the keep well provider under the intercompany loans, giving the bondholders as well as the trustee an indirect recourse against the keep well provider. But obviously, this option could be considered to be time consuming and may require funding from the trustee perspective. So over to team for the observations from the trustee's perspective. Yeah, and as you've already said, Viola, it's really very important 
important from the trustee side for, for the bondholders to engage advisors and organize themselves as a group and to make contact with the trustee as soon as they can in these sorts of circumstances. We'd say don't wait and to see if an administrator will accept a direct claim against the Keepwell provider, which isn't based on court judgment or a court order. Given what we've seen in PUFG, the, the chances of a claim of that type being accepted might not be very high. And the objection process once a claim has been rejected is is very challenging in terms of timing and cost. So I think early engagement and early discussion around what those options are and, and the direction the bondholders want to take is definitely the, the best course of action. Yes, I think it seems from our discussion that we are not saying that keep well would not work. It's just that we need to consider all the possible options for enforcement when we have a default situation. So to sum up our discussion, can each of you suggest one takeaway for our audience given the recent PUFG decision? Maybe start with Agnes. I think it may be too early to draw any conclusion on the implication of the decision of the PUFG bankruptcy administrator on Keepwell, because there are steps, as Tim and Viola has mentioned, that could be taken in this situation. How about you, Tim? Yeah, I would just say the trustee is there in these sorts of situations to help holders and to take the action that the holders would like to have taken. But in this type of situation where there are different potential options that could be taken and where there could be significant costs associated with some of them, it is really important for holders to organise as a group and discuss those options with the trustee as early as possible without waiting for a claim to be rejected first. And Viola? Yes, Cindy. Um, I think there is no hard um, and fast rule in enforcement because each case depends on its own facts. So the outcome in PUFG does not necessarily mean that creditors have no options to enforce a keep well structure at all. It is therefore important for investors to coordinate amongst themselves and to seek appropriate advice so that they can make an informed decision on all possible enforcement options in this sort of situation. That's great. Thank you, Agnes, team and Viola. I hope you find this podcast helpful and thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.